on DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2, your go-to show for all things EFL. I'm your host, Justin Beattie, and boy, do we have a show for you today. First things first, it's a tough time to be a Blackburn fan, winless in the league in eight and possible clashes between the manager and the owners. Is he staying or going? And do the fans want him to stay? Ian Herbert from the 4,000 Holes podcast will have his say. Are the wheels starting to fall off at Ipswich? They went toe-to-toe with Leicester at the top of the league for months, but with just one win in eight, they're dropping down the table like a stone. Can they turn their form around and hold on to Kieran McKenna in the process? Rich Woodward from the Blue Monday podcast will join us. And spare a thought for Stoke City manager Stephen Schumacher did a fantastic job in charge of Plymouth and took the big move to the bet 365, but he can't seem to buy a win at the moment. So how does he compare to his predecessor, Alex Neal? We'll get the thoughts of Dan Buxton from every step along the way. And they're top of the league and could set a record points total, but not every Leicester City fan seems to be happy with manager Enzo Maresca. Is the criticism fair? They take on my team, the mighty Watford this weekend, who have playoff dreams of their own despite a little slump in form. So we're bringing a Foxes and a Hornets fan head-to-head. Chris Forian from Leicester Till I Die takes on Carl James from Do Not Scratch Your Eyes. This is where you, the fans, have your say on your club. This is the EFL Fan Network on the home of the EFL TalkSport 2. No time to spare today, so let's get right into it. We have to start the show with Blackburn today. It's been a crazy past 24 hours or so. We've had reports that manager John Dahl Thomason was leaving Ewood Park, only for the club to come back and dismiss them. For more information on this, let's bring in Ian Herbert from the 4,000 Holes podcast. Now, before we start, it's worth mentioning that this section was recorded at 11 this morning. Things could have massively changed. Ian... Has John Dahl Thomason passed the point of no return as Blackburn manager? I think last Saturday when he gave the ro- the radio interview where he basically sort of said, don't ask me anything anymore, ask Greg, ask Sir Hale, that kind of made his position untenable. I think it was it looked like it was a strategic move on his part to sort of bring things to a head. Everything that we're hearing coming out of the club today suggests that today is going to be fairly pivotal and we're expecting big changes. On the field, the results speak for themselves. Uh, Depending on your perspective will determine how much sympathy you throw JDT's way. If you come into a club and certain promises are made to you and those promises are broken, your sympathies may lie with JDT. If you've watched Rovers the last 11 games and seen what, what, what's been happening on the field, uh, your sympathies may lie with uh, the people sort of like looking to change the management. It's a messy situation. I think I liken it. You know, those, those cutaways in The Simpsons where Homer sort of has this thought bubble above his head with clowns driving around in little cars and riding little bikes. That's Blackburn Rovers over the last, I think, week or so. So do you think he'll walk away from Rovers or is he waiting to be asked to leave? The interview on Saturday suggested that he, he made that offer in the summer before he moved his wife, his family over to the UK. Uh, and 
his suggestion was that that offer was no longer on the table. And it's kind of, you know, if you want rid of me, you'll now have to pay me because I've invested in moving my family across the UK and getting us settled. Why should I walk away if you want me out? I want the money. That was the subtext, I think, of the interview on Saturday. Of course, Rovers have got these these challenges at the moment with cash flow and any money going out of the club um, potentially imperils our working capital for the next three or four months. Uh, there's no money coming over from India right now. That's embargoed by court cases. So we are probably over the next six months going to live off the portion of the Adam Wharton transfer fee that, that comes in this year. So it's it's an interesting situation, I think, at Rovers. That's how we frame it. How, how surprised were you to hear him say he considered leaving this summer over the issues with the board? Not massively. I think it was fairly well signposted at the time. Um, the project changed the project. This is what we're talking about in football now, the project. It changed in the summer in as much as the scope and the budget that was available was significantly reduced. And when that announcement became public and that we were moving on from, shall we say, our A list to our B list in terms of potential signings, I think that's when the discontent first reared its, its head. So I'm not massively surprised. I think the frustrations were starting to show in the January window last year when we failed to register um, O'Brien properly. So I think Thomason was rightly frustrated by, by that level of ineptitude. Then to find out that the budget was cut further in the summer probably made him think, what on earth have I joined here? Look, lads, let's, let's just call it quits. Let's shake hands. I'll walk away. Everybody's honours intact. But the club apparently turned around to him and sort of said, well, if you're going to walk, you need to pay us compensation for breaking your contract. And so we, they seem to be locked in this loveless marriage then for the next seven or eight months, which is, seems to be seems to be culminating today in a parting of the ways. How has the transfer collapse of Duncan Maguire gone down with uh, the Blackburn fans? And have you ever heard of a move breakdown like that before? Well, yeah, last January at Blackburn Rovers twice. I mean, <laughs> this, this, this is the problem. So let, let, let's take your listeners back in time to January last year. We were trying to sign a promising young prospect from Rochdale, uh, Ethan Briley, and we were trying to sign Lewis O'Brien on loan to bolster our promotion bid. Um, both of those transfers failed due to incorrect submission of paperwork. So the paperwork went in, but not all the boxes were ticked and not all the required fields were completed, apparently. We appealed it. We had the appeal turned down and that incurred legal fees and all the rest of it. So our director of football, Greg Broughton, made a very public yeah, mayor culpa on, on Rover's video. And he sort of came out and sort of said, lessons have been learned, process has been changed. And I think most people sort of say, well, look, who, who of us hasn't made a mistake in our careers at some point? OK, this is very public one, but OK, we'll cut you some slack. You know, you, you've come out, you've had the balls to come out and take ownership of it. We'll, we'll give you the credit for that. For it to happen again in this January window is now bordering on the bizarre and there's lots and lots of theories as to what has gone wrong. But what seems to be coming out into the public domain now is that on the transfer portal, you input certain data, you save it. And then at the point where you're ready to crystallize the deal, you hit submit. And Rovers forgot to hit submit before the deadline. 
only noticing that this case was saved in the portal. So I suppose it's a bit like in these days of online journalism, you write your article, you save it on your computer, <laughs> but you just forget to actually send it and post it on the website. It's surreal. It's absolutely surreal. Three times in you know two, two January windows is three times too many, clearly. Not learning the lessons from last year is just appalling, frankly. John Eustace is reportedly the new man coming in. Would he be a good fit? Would anyone be a good fit, given everything going on behind the scenes? <laughs> that's that's a very, very good question. <laughs> uh, John, John Eustace seems to be a safe pair of hands. Birmingham City fans seem to be very upset when he left. If I may say so, it strikes me as a very Mowbray-esque appointment. Uh, safe, solid, dependable, safe pair of hands. I suppose that's what they will hope. The, the, you know, the, the key objective for Rovers now, nothing else matters but for making sure we don't get relegated this season. If he can come in and, and impose a style of play and get some defensive discipline back into his side and, and win some points, then that, that's the important short-term objective. What happens thereafter will be fascinating, of course. Uh, I hope he knows what he's walking into, but I'm sure yeah, he, he's worked at Birmingham City. They were not exactly the model of stability whilst he was there. So one, one assumes he, he's used to dealing with fragmented decision-making processes, but he'll soon find out if he does take the job. So a bit of an open question here then. Where do Blackburn Rovers go from here? <laughs> well, well, I think I think you do need to split that into short, medium and long term. In the short term, it's all about expediency. It's all about organising the players that we've got into a way of playing that gives us the best chance of getting some points. So winning ugly is possibly the phrase that comes to mind. Uh, while that's going on, there needs to be some medium term planning around the court case and what happens to working capital. Because if money can't come across from India again, we're probably going to have to sell another player to keep the lights on. And then in the long term, I think it raises the question about the efficacy of Venkis owning Blackburn Rovers. It can't it can't have been a pleasure owning this football club. And right now, if they're going to have to go to court every three months and they're going to have to place bonds with the regulators in India to be able to send any money across to the UK, that must be time-consuming. It must be really irritating. And one assumes that at some point, somebody will turn around and sort of say, is this worth it? So that throws open then a whole range of possibilities, some of them really attractive, some of them less so, depending on where they see the future of the club. But it's, it's always been an uneasy relationship. It's never, it's never sat quite squarely, I think, with, with the fans as to what's in it for them. We've never really truly got a satisfactory answer to that. And all of this now just keeps bringing that question back to the fore. What do they get out of it? What, what pleasure can they possibly get out of owning this football club? And I struggle to come up with a coherent answer, if I'm being honest. So let's talk a little bit about the 4,000 Holes podcast. How did it come about and where can people find it? The 4,000 Holes podcast is part of the brfcs.com stable. So we, we, have a, we have a website that houses all our content. 4,000 Holes originally is the Rovers fanzine, which is still published. So we, we still send out paper and sell paper copies and things like that, which is, is terrific to see in this day and age that, that that still happens. And a lot of the contributors to the fanzine also contribute to the podcast. So it made sense for us to trade off that brand 
end, if you will. Um, we yeah, we really enjoy putting it together. I think it, it dovetails quite nicely. Uh, we get information from the brscs.com forum to use in the fanzine to use on the podcast and and vice versa. So it all, it all feeds each other quite nicely. We're available on Apple. We're available on Spotify. Just look up 4,000 Holes and, and you'll find us. And hopefully if there's any Rovers fans out there that haven't given us a try off the back of this, you'll, you'll give us a listen. Ian, as always, uh, a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network. My pleasure. Thank you very much. You're listening to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Next up, we're talking all things Ipswich with Rich Woodward. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Now, there's only ever been three clubs to be promoted back-to-back from League One into the Premier League, but it looked for so long like Ipswich were about to become the fourth. But with one win in eight, not to mention elimination from the FA Cup by non-league Maidstone, there's been a few questions over their ability to compete with the Premier League dropouts. Their hopes of automatic promotion suffered a big blow on Saturday when they lost 3-2 at Preston. Talk Sports' Cameron Pope spoke to the manager, Kieran McKenna, after the game and asked whether the feeling around the club is still a positive one. You'd like to think so, um, with where we are and, and you know how we've performed and how we are performing. Um, of course, you, you're disappointed when you lose games, you're disappointed for the supporters and everyone around the club, but that's the reality, you know, it's... I think the fourth game we've lost out of 29 in the league. I think it's it's an incredible statistic. So we're going to lose we're going to lose some games along the way. It's important to stick together, stick to what we stick to what we do best, and um, get ready to go again. The players have full belief in in how we play, and, and one aspect of that is being able to you know play for opposition presses you know really well. There's big belief here in what we do. We know the the benefits over the longer term that we've already seen and that we'll continue to see and um, you know we, we'll really stick to, to our values and, and what we believe in. Joining us now is Rich Woodward from the Blue Monday podcast. Hello Rich. Hi Justin, how you doing? Very good. So what was the start of the season like for an Ipswich fan coming up from League One? Oh, it was unbelievable. It, it was Every week was a pinch yourself moment on our podcast um, and it started from day one. We, you know, we got that really unexpected, hard-fought win at the Stadium of Light and just kept backing it up every week. And I think we were a bit of a surprise package. Um, and maybe that uh, status has caught up with us and maybe teams are now taking us a lot more seriously than they had at the start of the season. But the fundamentals are still the same. I know the recent results haven't been the best, but Ipswich fans are just um, delighted to still be in the mix. And there is still plenty of football to be played. We're not writing anything off, although... The teams are up against, as you mentioned, are kind of fearsome in the resources they have. So how concerning is Ipswich's current run of form? I mean, it, it's a concern, but I think uh, there's mitigating circumstances. The run of fixtures has been pretty fearsome. A lot of ex-parachute teams have played Leeds, played Leicester twice as well. Um, so, yeah, that's a factor. And, and add into that unavailability of key players. We're not... The biggest of squads, we don't have the resources of, as I said, of the parachute teams. And when you lose your top assist maker, you lose your captain and you lose your uh, your striker. Um, I think any team, even the likes of Leicester, Leeds and Southampton would stroll. You know, take Dewsbury Hall out of Leicester and Ian Acho out of Leicester at the same time. Ampadu and Piro out at the same time. Adam Armstrong and Walker Peters out of Southampton. I think their results would be a bit different too. So I think it's concerning, certainly, that the first half at Preston, but rallied really well and won the second half will be you don't win anything for that and I think the arrival of Kiefer Moore 
is a big step forward for us, as is the returns of the likes of Davis and Morsey. Um, and we're going to need them for West Brom on Saturday. How pleased were you with your business in January? I, th- I think probably of all of the teams up in the top six or the top half of the championship, I think we've we've done really well. We probably had to wait a little bit longer than we would have liked for um, Kiefer Moore to come in. Um, Ali Al-Hamadi is, is a great signing, but a development kind of signing, a high prospect player that we shouldn't really have a huge amount of expectations on, but, you know, looks really exciting. And Jeremy Sarmiento came in from from Brighton online and have been at West Brom and maybe a little bit of underestimation of his abilities. I think he's been great too. And you know, Lewis Travis provides a little bit more of a steal in midfield too. So I think we've done really well. We just need time to certainly bed in Al Hamadi and, and Kiefer Moore. Um, but Moore has already got a brace in his first match. So we're really excited about what he can offer on, on Saturday and beyond. Why are Ipswich conceding so many goals lately? It's a, it's a great question. Um, I, I really hope Kieran McKenna and the folks at, in the analytics team are, are asking themselves the same thing. I mean, the fact is we play out from the back. We are definitely a team that likes to take risks and we like to draw teams on and then get behind them. And, you know, that's worked under Kieran McKenna since day one, really. And it's worked for you know the first two thirds of the season or half of the season here in the championship as well. I think teams are now setting themselves up. As I said, we're not a unknown quantity teams know that our keeper is gonna um, take the ball is gonna um, play in passes to our center backs etc you know, it works for us but teams are, are maybe pressing us really high and I think you know I've mentioned some of the personnel not being around we're missing Cameron Burgess who I think is now returned from the Asia Cup he provides a bit more um, solidity at the back as well and I, I think it's a combination really of of maybe teams pressing us much higher and giving us much more respect than they have and, and maybe confidence as well you know you we haven't won too many games since December that creeps up in your mind as well and, and maybe you're starting to expect mistakes and I think maybe we all need a bit of a reset after the last few weeks and maybe after West Brom this run of fixtures we've got is much more friendly and maybe we need to reset there but I don't think McKenna's going to change his style of player and why would he it's been successful um, we're just a level up and maybe it gets found out a little bit more often. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Kieran McKenna has been a revelation for you. Do you think you can hold on to him? Oh, that's, a, that's the million dollar question, I think. I I fear that if we don't go up this season, then there'll be a lot of teams um, circling around. And and why wouldn't you? Um, you know, great pedigree in respect to coming through at Spurs. And Man United worked under Mourinho. Um, so... And, and certainly with Ipswich has proven um, his credentials, definitely, you know, turn this around. We had a really bloated, but, you know, decent enough squad in League One that was going nowhere fast. Um, and McKenna just turned us around immediately. We narrowly missed out first season, but the patterns of play. I think the other thing that people uh, underestimate and, and maybe from out further afield don't realise is how much the squad invests in development and improving there's a lot of there's a culture of learning and development that McKenna as a coach has done himself but the squad has seemed to be bought into that as well the cultural side there's so many boxes that McKenna ticks and certainly his supporters we we love the fact that he doesn't patronize us and talk down to us he explains things um even if people maybe disagree with it like they're playing out from the back um but yeah, there's a lot of reasons why Premier League teams would take an interest in him. And I just hope that we prom- get promoted and progress through the leagues together. But that's a very romantic view of the world. And we know football's a bit cutthroat. And, you know, I think there's already been rumours in the January window that he might move on. So I would be delighted if he sticks around for the rest of this season. 
and beyond. But I'd be surprised if if we are championship next season. I, sadly, I'll be surprised if Kieran McKenna. I'm pleasantly surprised if Kieran McKenna isn't in the Premier League. So if promotion isn't achieved this season, how well set up do you think Ipswich are having a go at it over the next couple of seasons? Yeah, again, that's something that um, I guess we haven't thought of a life beyond Kieran McKenna nor this season, really, um, because the success that we've had in this campaign has, has happened, has been thrust upon us so quickly. We haven't really had time to consider the the long term plan. Obviously, we've got really ambitious owners and I think there'll be a lot of interest in us trying to consolidate where we are right now if we if we don't go up this season. And, you know, anything's still possible, as we said. Um, I'd imagine that um, they'll be really keen to see us stick around in the top six and beyond. But, you know, we know that um, the parachute payment situation does skew the, the, the competition a little bit. And we're still budget-wise not going to be competing a great deal with with those kind of clubs. But look, there's a good enough squad here. The great thing from previous regimes is that a lot of the backroom staff are employed by the club. They're not kind of um, allies or buddies of of the coach, the head coach. We had a lot of changing of the guard, as it were, where every time we sacked a manager or a manager moved on. And I think that's less likely under McKenna, although some of them will go. The key is if if McKenna, I don't like talking about it, Justin. I don't. You're making me sad thinking about the era post McKenna. But if it does happen, I think there's a lot of trust and faith in our chief exec to get the new man in, um, who will be right. I'm sure he'll be progressive and under the same kind of ideals. And yeah, I'd be confident of us definitely for a top six place next season. But I hope all of this conversation is redundant because we do the business this this season. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Sorry for sorry for making you sad there. That's okay. <laughs> it's raining outside as well when we're recording this as well. I just make it, you know, I there's a lot of positivity around the club as you know as we kind of talked about in that interview quote there. And but I think sadly football is it you know there's moments where it's ideal and we've had we've had a fantastic three years in comparison to the previous two decades that preceded it. It's been brilliant for town fans and I think all of us are kind of saying enjoy the ride, but at some point the ride does have to end and one way or the other. Um, it'll, hopefully it ends in Premier League football um, but if not then yeah we do have to plan for the life ahead and, and I'm, I'm more confident than I've ever been about the state of the club off the field to give us confidence that next season we can go again So tell us a bit about the Blue Monday podcast how it started and where it can be found Yeah so we've been around since 2015 with, I think with the longest running Ipswich Town podcast a group of seven of us started by um, Ben um, Bloom who you know and, and his mate Dave and, and the team has grown since then and, and we we go live twice a week sometimes three times a week if there's a midweek game and just try and provide a different perspective I think a lot of fan content obviously is very emotional as it should be um, we try to take a breath we deliberately give ourselves a day after the game that's just been before we start talking about it on the Sunday. And we've got a um, a real strong community of, of subscribers and, and and people who engage in our content who we like discussing with um, 24-7. We've got a messaging group that's been going from strength to strength. And I think all of us just like to understand stuff. You know, obviously we're fans. We want to see the club do well. But I think Blue Monday... And the reason we're still going is because we try and provide a different perspective. We try and peek under the numbers, as it were, and we and try and ask the different questions. For sure. Well, Rich Woodward from the Blue Monday podcast, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network. Appreciate it, Justin. Take care. This is the EFL Fan Network with me, Justin Beatty. Next up, are Stoke slipping into a relegation dogfight? We'll find out with Dan Buxton. You're listening to the EFL Fan Network alongside me, Justin Beatty. So much to get through over the next half hour. 
Don't forget that TalkSport 2 is your home of the EFL. We've got three colossal EFL commentaries for you this weekend, starting with Sheffield Wednesday versus Birmingham tomorrow night. Build up with Hugh Woosencroft starts at seven before kickoff at eight. Then on Saturday, Ipswich are searching for that big win to turn their form around at home to West Brom. That gets underway at half twelve. And on Sunday, there could be fireworks at the CBS Arena as Millwall travel to Coventry. That one kicks off at midday. So let's talk Stoke. Stephen Schumacher left Plymouth Argyle six weeks ago to take over at the Bet365, but things aren't exactly going to plan. Three losses in a row, including most recently a 5-0 thumping to incumbent champs Leicester. So are the Potters fans starting to worry? Joining us now is Dan Buxton from the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hi, Dan. It's been a mixed season for you so far. How would you sum it up? Yeah, it's it started off with a load of promise. There was a load of excitement last summer. We had a complete overhaul of the squad. Uh, I think we had like 18 new signings in that in the summer. And we had that many. We were sending some of them back to the back to the clubs, some of the loanies, because we didn't have room in the squad uh, by the end of the summer. And then obviously we started. We had a 4-1 win, 6-1 win at home in, in the first month. Um, we beat Watford as well. So it was all looking really rosy. And then as the season sort of drifted on, we started being a bit more reclusive in the play. Everything started um, not taking our chances in front of goal. And then as that went on, the chances under Alex Neal especially seemed to dry up a lot. And unfortunately for him, I think he didn't allow them to express themselves. So he brought they brought in a lot of t- very technical players um, good players on the ball, and then he, like I say, he he wanted them to play maybe attributes that they didn't have was how he wanted to play, and so they, like I say, they weren't allowed to express themselves, allowed to play to their strengths. Schumacher come in and initially just let the shackles off, and we were playing some really exciting football. The, the results were okay until these last three. We've lost the last three league games, but before that, we were undefeated in his first like five or six, and. It was it was really promising. There was a lot of, I think everyone's sort of, you know, heads were up, you know, sh- shoulders were back. Everyone was like, oh, this is really exciting to watch. Um, the, the players looked like they were enjoying themselves. They looked as one. There was a bit of a connection again. And um, everyone was happy and cheery. And then, like I say, a couple of defeats and then an absolute battering against Leicester. And everyone's now panicking, I think. <laughs> How did you feel about the Schumacher appointment? Obviously, he'd done very well elsewhere, but managers don't seem to stay too long at the Bet365. <laughs> no, they do not. Um, we, yeah, we, we love ruining a good reputation <laughs> as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think when you look at it, obviously, I mean, people, fans criticise the board for the managers they brought in and everything. I'm like, but nobody was complaining at the time. Nobody complained when we brought Gary Rowett in. But they, and then they give him £50 million to spend. He wasted it on, again, he did, but sometimes Neil spent a load of money on a lot of players and then refused to play to how they strengths, their strengths. And that did for him. Obviously, Nathan Jones come in and everyone was praising him for taking a, um, getting a good up-and-coming coach, um, you know, best in Europe, as he'll tell you himself. Um, but then what happened, obviously, there was, it just never, just never worked out. He couldn't replicate what he had at Luton. Um, but so it's one of them like we, we've got obviously Michael O'Neill again people were happy when he come in towards the end they wanted him gone in with Alex Neal proven championship manager got promoted out of this league um, more than once so 
they get people are happy when they were appointed. Stephen Schumacher was a little bit different because he's very. I think he's probably the biggest gamble manager they've had since we've come up. But I think he's probably potentially the right man for this group of players. I think he will get the best out of the players and the, the way that the club's going now. They've changed sort of the structure. Everything got changed over the summer. And even like how the transfers are done, we've now got a set focus on how we want and how we recruit. And I think he and his way of playing is going to be perfect for us. I just think we need to be patient as as a club, as a fan base. And it's difficult. It's difficult to tell the fans to be patient when basically we've had sort of seven or eight years of steady decline, some steeper than others. But <laughs> recently, it's sort of, you know, we're just hovering in that sort of lower third of the championship for like five years. And when you consider we were, you know, ninth in the, in the Premier League three years running before that, you know, two years before that, it's it's hard to say to people, just be patient because, they say, well, we've been patient long enough, but patience is the only way we're really going to get through this now. It's, it's We've got to give him time to to work and, and to develop a group of players. Stokes, a club that was so well established in the Premier League after a decade in the top flight, are you surprised that you didn't bounce right back? Um, yeah, I think, I, I still remember the first game we played after relegation was Leeds away and the, the team sheet hit and I remember reading through comments on Twitter from all fans of of all different clubs, like on on the sort of you know where this team shit come through, and they were like just give them the title now, give them the championship. Look at that! And we had like Jack Butland in goal, um, we had like Ryan Shawcross, Bruno Martins, and Eric Peters. Um, I think we had Indai, Tommen, Sophobi, J- James McLean. There was there's if if you could sort of pick a, a, an all star team out of that division at that time, we we probably had it, um, but it just didn't work. It didn't work. Whether there was just too many egos, too many people who maybe didn't want to be there, or weren't prepared to sort of you know roll up the sleeves and get you know the nitty gritty of the NFL where they were used to playing in sort of like say the Premier League, and and then again we had a manager who he'd spent. They thought they could just spend that and they would guarantee go up, and they should have been for what they what their expenditure was, but it didn't work. Like I say, Gary Rout again, another one didn't let the handbrake off with them never let them sort of go out and dominate games and it, we, he paid for it in the end and, and we paid for it because it took us probably three years to recover from that financially. Like like the board, the board will go out and spend as much as they can. I mean, they invest so much in the stadium, the training ground, the community around Stoke. But on obviously those things don't really get... Um, get involved when it comes to like the, the uh, profit and sustainability part of it mm. but the stuff like the wages transfer fees they invest as much as they can but there's only so much they can do now and I think that was the big chance with the parachute payments and everything else to bounce straight back and they, they sort of backed the wrong horse and Rowers as it turned out like I say nobody knew it at the time nobody was complaining at the time but hindsight they backed the wrong horse with him and they give him too much to, to do in one go, if you like. And like I say, it took us three years of cost cutting and reducing the wage bill constantly and constantly. Um, poor Michael O'Neill did all the hard work with that. Mm. And then just when we came to the end of it, where we were sort of, you know, another, you know, the end of the season, we'll be through it. And then we, we sort of got rid of him but, uh, and uh, they brought in Alex Neal. So, so yeah, we just have to make sure we don't repeat that cycle, I think, with this now and make sure we're sort of 
funding. What what where we do recruit, we recruit well so that we do get us people like a Bajon Herwer of Alter in, who when we if we sell them, if we buy them in, sorry, um, all we need is one of them to gun good, and that can then fund the next sort of transfer cycle. So, are you confident of staying up, or are you fearing the drop? Uh, we need to start finding the back of the net. But before before <laughs> Leicester, it was it was all about we create we create loads. Of, I mean, we lost three one at Sunderland the week before, and even the Sunderland fans we spoke to post game were like, "You had more than enough chances there to win that game." Four five three, you really should. You know, you gifted us really good chances, but then at the other end, you had you just can't finish. And I was like, okay, that has been a common theme for a long time with Stoke, and you just need to break that cycle. I think uh, the 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 worry is the closer you get to the relegation zone, the longer the season goes on, those chances that you're missing aren't going to get any easier. They're going to get harder because of the pressure that's going to come with them. I think these next two games are massive. We've got. Um, we've got QPR at home on Wednesday, but we've got Blackburn away on Saturday. Mm. And if we can get at least four points from them, I think it stands us in good stead because it'll just buffer that gap. It's already four points. If we can get up to you know, eight, 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 ten points, then it just releases a lot of pressure. And I hope then the players will be able to you know perform a little bit in front of goal because the pressure will be off them a bit. That's the hope anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um Dan, tell me uh, a bit about every step along the way and where it can be found. Yeah, so we've been going. Uh, this is the third season we've been doing it. Uh, so it's me and me and Mike, and when we get there's quite a few Stoke fans who we have on, uh, like a third voice uh, with us. Yeah, we try and get sort of opposition fans on and like cover you know, the youth team, the women's team. We've done sort of we're quite thingy on Twitter, uh, Facebook, we've got a Facebook group. So over all the socials and that, and we get. Um, We've had interesting, yeah. So we have like a lot of spe- we've had a lot of specials as well, so like international breaks and that. We'll, we've had football agents on. Um, we've we've spoke to we've had interviews with sort of Tyrese Campbell, Ben Wilmark at the current squad, uh, where we've sat down with them as well. So yeah, we we enjoy it. To be right, it's it's, uh, it's just nice to just sit down and chat football, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's therapy, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. And for some reason, people seem to like listening. <laughs> ah, well, that's the, that's the main thing. Uh, Dan Buxton <laughs> from Every Step Along the Way. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network. You. You're listening to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Don't go anywhere. We've got Watford versus Leicester coming up next. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Now, though, it's time for our weekly preview where unquestionably the best team in the championship takes on first place, Leicester. I'm talking, of course, about Watford, who welcome the league leaders to Vicarage Road at 3 o'clock this Saturday. Joining us to talk through it is Chris Forian from Leicester Till I Die alongside Carl James from Do Not Scratch Your Eyes. We'll start with you, Chris. Before we start looking at the game, Enzo Maresca's come under a bit of stick from certain portions of Leicester fans for the style of play. You're potentially up for a record points total. Is the criticism fair? Well, first of all, thank you for that lovely welcome. You had me smiling for a minute. Um, <laughs> I'm a Watford fan, what can I say? Well, I, I, I gathered from that and it's so nice to come on to a totally unbiased show. No, I, <laughs> I jest. Yeah, look, every club has a certain section of fans that you think has provided the missing link. 
Um, you know, how can you be unhappy with where we are at the moment? I mean, do they want to go back 12 months to where we were then? Uh, yes, you know, I mean, I do watch-alongs and I get frustrated sometimes when we're passing it around the back and it's a slow move forward. Um, and, and you know, we, we quite often lose the ball in that position and, and can concede. <laughs> Would have it any other way? No, of course I wouldn't. Look, look where we are in the league, for God's sake, you know, and uh, I, I'm just happy to 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 be winning again, and I think anybody who is unhappy with anything at the moment, uh, just wobble your head. So, Carl, Watford have had a largely inconsistent season. Why do you think that is? Inconsistent. That's a, that's an understatement. I'd say there, <laughs> Justin. To be yeah, fair, it is. We, um, th- there's a there's a, a number of issues at the club uh, in terms of not just what's going. Or happening on the pitch, what what's happening off of the pitch? Um, the whole club currently at the moment finds itself a little bit lost. You know, we we look at uh, a team like Leicester that have that have dropped out of the Premier League, and we look over and we go, "Wow, we wouldn't we wouldn't mind a bit of that in terms of uh, competing to get back up again." Um, we've sold our best assets. You know, all all those former Premier League stars, if you want to call them that, uh, have gone. And what we're left with is two very, very disappointing transfer windows that have quite frankly left us um, in sort of mid-table, possibly worse. So, that, that, as I say, there's, there's a number of things going on at the club at the moment and it, it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint it and say it's one thing. I think it's a, it, it's a big mismatch of um, broken promises and bad decisions at Watford Football Club at the moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Chris, there's no denying the player that Jamie Vardy has been for Leicester. And despite being 37, he scored 10 goals this campaign. He's out of contract at the end of this season. Do the Leicester fans want to see him kept on as a player or perhaps given another role at the King Power? Or do you think he'll say his goodbyes and move on to something else? You know, we're so torn on this. Um and I literally have got a post ready to go out on my social medias saying, you know, if we go up, do you want him to be given a, an extra year? Um, look, despite the fact that we're enjoying where we are, we, we, you know, we obviously have an amazing season. We've got, to, we've got to remember this is where Burnley were and look where they are this season. We're not going to go straight back into the Premier League and go back to where we were before finishing fifth top 10 you know that first season back could well be a struggle you know when you look at how many times we would we would not be as well off as we are now if the teams we were playing had, had got shooting boots on you know we're very sort of lucky in that degree so there's there's a school of thought that says let Jamie Vardy go out on top you know if we go back up uh, I'd love to go back up as champions because that means we've done one more than Manchester City. And let's face it, they're never going to win a championship again, are they? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that would be great. But look, it's all about going up. So if we go up in second, I just want to avoid playoffs, obviously. Um, that Would that be a fitting end to his career for him to have sort of been part of um, that that revival again? And if we go up and struggle and maybe come straight back down, you've got to, you know, you've got to look at the possibility. Do we want that to be the end? Um, and I think, you know, with with Jamie Vardy, for me, for example, 
if we go up, and it, you know, we've still got to say if. Um, yeah, I would, I would give him that extra one year because look, he's not going to be playing every single game, like you say, he's thirty nine. But what age was Kevin Phillips when you know when he was still playing? You know, if 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 you're a defense that is, you know, you, you've been struggling, it's nil nil with ten minutes to go. And whether this is Man United or or, or Chelsea or, or even Luton, whoever it is, and in ten minutes to go, you see Jamie Vardy coming on for those last ten minutes. You're thinking, oh God, help us! Mm. So he's got that about him, um, you know. And he gives when he comes on, he gives the crowd a lift. Um, that gets the crowd behind the team a little bit more. It gives us all a little bit of you know, even if we're losing, like oh, you never know. And I've I've said this season, you know, we started this season with Vardy and Iheanacho as our sort of first choice two strikers. First choice two strikers, that sounds odd, but you know what I mean. Mm. But it's now completely turned around to Dakar and um, Cannon. And I said, like, is this the end? Are we starting to see the end of, of Jamie Vardy? And then he comes on against Stoke, scores with his first touch and gets a penalty. So, look, you know, I don't know. I, I you know, toss a coin and see where it lands. Mm. So- I'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd have Troy Deeney back, let's be honest. We, I, yeah. I'd have anyone back at the moment. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, Carla, I can't believe I'm going to ask this question. Uh, when you see Rob Edwards working miracles at Luton, oh. do yeah. you ever think... That could be us. I, I think I know the answer to this. Why, well, I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Why are we doing this question? This, I, I wasn't listen, prepared for this one. I, nor was I. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, to, to kind of sum it up in the, in the, with the best will in the world, um, Rob Edwards didn't do a job for us. I, I never saw anything in the time where when he was at the club uh, that I, I felt that the decision to get rid of him was wrong. I think maybe it was a little bit early, a bit premature, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, would we be any worse off than we currently are now? I, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure we would be. I think we'd still be in a, a similar position if it was Rob Edwards at the helm. Um, as painful, and I be, believe me, this is painful and you'll know this. <laughs> I do. To yeah. say this, he, he's done an incredible job at, at Luton. Um, you know, in terms of, of the size of the club and, and what they're doing at the moment. It's probably making our season feel a lot worse than it is because of that, mm. um, because of our nearest and dearest rivals. And and the, the, the rivalry, for anyone that doesn't know, is fierce. It's, um, it, it, it's a real rivalry. Um, not, none of your... Leicester Coventry rubbish. This is this is <laughs> this is this is this is, <laughs> this is proper stuff. Yeah, this is proper stuff. But yeah, no, look, it's it, it's a painful thing to watch. Um, do I think Rob Edwards will keep them in the league? I'm going to say no. I don't think he will. I think they'll run out of steam, um, and then we'll 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 see them again next season. Can I just say, as a neutral in, on this argument here, um, yeah. it's great to see Luton up there. Um, what I like is to see clubs that have either never really like like with, with ourselves. Because I don't think of us as a big club. I still think of us as a, you know as a middling sort of club. So to see clubs like Luton, Blackpool, etc., etc., um, sort of get promoted and have a go, I just love it. I love that underdog story, and that's what I like about the pyramid system that we have 
within mm. you know within English football. Um, whether they stay up or not, I don't know. Managers move on. I mean, Ian Holloway took us down to League One, went on to Blackpool, and got them promoted to the Premier League. So yeah. you, yes. you you never know. And I've just got to say something that I never ever thought I would hear somebody from Watford saying. Um, is the fact that it might have been premature to get rid of a manager. I mean, you know, the <laughs> manager, he's been there since May. That That's gold watch territory for him, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 I believe Sorry, us. It's... I couldn't resist. I do. No, 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 no. We're, I'm, I'm used to it on the podcast. Believe me. Don't worry. But yeah, we're, um, we're, uh, we're of the same opinion. It's, it's very unlike us to still have the manager that we start with at Maybe the beginning that's of the what season. You need. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, and that's that's part of the the problem. You know what what I said at the beginning that there's a lot of stuff happening at the club on and off the pitch, and it's the stuff that happens off the pitch that's having the biggest effect on the pitch in a, in a, in a negative way. And the manage you know the manager's situation and, and what happens upstairs is is a large portion of that, definitely. I mean, I I didn't well wasn't Watford's biggest fan along with Norwich because you'd come up. You 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 know you'd you'd get up to sort of mid table sack your manager and go back down again, and you know there was never sort of what looked from the outside, and I'm only seeing this from the outside. No mm. particular real attempt to try and stay in the division, and that you know, well, let's get up, make a bit of money, sack the manager if we don't get into the top five, and, and we'll see where we go. And you know, I always just say, look, let somebody else go up and and have a chance because you and Norwich were sort of seen to do that for two or three seasons on the on on the trot. But maybe now, and again, forgive me if I'm totally wrong, because I say I'm looking at it from an outsider's point of view, but is this maybe, and I don't know what's going on at the club, but a sign of stability maybe settling in at what? <laughs> no, I can no. assure you it's not stability. Okay, okay. But maybe <laughs> that's so, what yeah. you need. It is, it is what we need. You know, we had we had five, five seasons in the Premier League um, and there was a, a few chops and changes. But I think the, the, the biggest... Uh, chop and change for us happens when we're in the championship because we were always trying to get back into the Premier League as quickly as as quickly as possible. That now seems not to be the case, which is mm. where I think the stability aspect of what you just said there comes from. It's not necessary stability. It's it's the means and um revenue, money, finances, whatever you want to say, to to, yeah. to get back there at the moment. I just hope that uh that Elton John paying Gary Lineker his 10 quid isn't going to bank it at all. <laughs> <laughs> that well, let's finally then get a score prediction for Saturday's game from both of you. Let's start with, we'll start with Chris. Um, it's difficult to predict against Leicester at the moment. Um, you know, I, I thought we might struggle against Stoke, so it shows, well, how good I am at predicting scores. Um I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I know I'm outnumbered here, but I'm going to have to go. Um, will you score? That's the question. Um, <laughs> it is. I'll, I'll answer that for you. No. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. This is Leicester. We we do have habit of shooting ourselves in the foot. But I'm going. I'm going to go three nil to Leicester. Sorry, guys. Wow. Uh, uh, before we come to you, Carl, one more uh, question for you, Chris. Yes or no? Will you break the 106 points record? <laughs> You're not going to hold me to this, are you? No, <laughs> I promise I won't. Um, I've got to say yes, because it'd be great to do it. It'd be another little feather in our cap this season. Okay, fair enough. Right, Carl, 
Score well, prediction. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna stick on the um, I'm gonna be optimistic about this one, Justin. I'm gonna say uh it's gonna be Watford nil, Leicester free. Yeah. I'm gonna join I'm gonna <laughs> join our friend. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> that one. No, no, I yeah, think you're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Now, that, that always bodes that doesn't bode well when the when the uh, fans are predicting a loss. <laughs> no. Well, I, I mean, you know, I think Cole. Where are we going to get a goal from? That's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, yeah I got. There's more chance of me scoring than our strikers. <laughs> there is uh, currently at the moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, uh, Chris and uh, Carl, it's been great speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That was the EFL Fan Network on Talksport Two. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.